1: Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's Jesus
2: message.
0: Soul night I'd like to say a few words. One to the man Norris Jones, whom I have been told will be in the courtroom blind, and listening to this videotape. Norris Jones, I've never met you in my life. Don't know anything about you. A few things that I've heard. But I want you to understand, first of all, that what you have done is a great and grievous sin to premeditate and take another man's life. But I want you to understand from God's viewpoint, God, in spite of everything that you've ever done or ever will do, God that created the heavens and the earth still loves you. He loves you in sin. And that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to down the cross to pay for what you've done wrong. And he says that if you would accept the payment that Jesus Christ made on that cross for you, that God would give you as a free gift everlasting life. And right where you are right now in this courtroom, God said that if you'd believe it and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, God would forgive you of all your sin. He would save you and give you eternal life if you've never done that. I urge you to do so. I also want to share with you my thoughts. A few years ago, I would have taken matters into my own hands, and I would make sure that justice had been rendered. But you see, the Bible teaches us something different, especially to those that believe his word, something that God has revealed in his word. And I hope that this court does not mind me sharing with you some thoughts that I believe are beneficial, not only to Norris Jones, but also to this court, to the judge who has to make a decision. And I pray that it will be to the maximum that the law will allow. This is what he says in the book of Romans and where I get my opinion from. In Romans and chapter 12, it says this, "...recompense to no man evil for evil, things honest in the sight of all men." It means that because of the evil that you have done, I as an individual should not render evil for evil. I as one person am not to take revenge upon you. So because of this, I too, as a father of the son David Arnold, I too forgive you. I will not try to render evil upon you because of what. I, do. I don't believe that that would be the will of God for me. He also makes a statement in verse 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. It means instead of me having wrath upon you, I give place, I give it room. Room for our government to work. Because God does not want individuals taking revenge. That's why government is instituted. That's why we have laws. And that's why we're to have righteous men in place of authority to execute righteous laws for this very reason. And then he says here, For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord, so that I am not to take vengeance. God will do so, but he is to do so through the government that is set up. Therefore, we have a court of law, right and wrong, statutes. That's why legislation is passed so that individuals like me who hurt, who have perhaps a little uh, feelings of vengeance and a little wrath, control it and give place so that our government may work and do what they're supposed to do so that we as individuals and maybe in a moment of passion say or do something that we should not do as you have done. And this is why the Lord tells us in verse 21, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. I cannot do you wrong because God prohibits that. But I can do you right. That's why I want you, Norris Jones, more than anything else in the world, to realize that though you may escape the full penalty of crime here because of some technicality in the law, you cannot escape the court of divine justice. There is one day every individual will give an account to God himself. And God will exact justice. And that's why I urge you right now, the best you know how, to accept God's forgiveness. And yes, you can still have eternal life and go to heaven whenever you... because God loves you that much. I want you to understand that. So I have no feelings of bitterness or hatred towards you. I've committed all of that to the Lord. And I want God to have mercy upon your soul to save you, to give eternal life. And I want government to show no mercy whatsoever because I want them to exact the full extent of the law and its punishment for the crime that you... because this is what is done that is to be right in society. And here's why. It makes the statement in verse 2 of chapter 13... Whosoever therefore resists the power or the authority of government, power that's over us, resisteth the ordinance of God because government is under God's authority. And therefore government is to institute laws in agreement with the laws of God. And it says, And they that resist shall receive damnation or judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good works but to the evil. That courtroom those lawyers, the policemen, the detectives, are there for our good. And we're not to fear them as long as we do right. But it says, Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid." For he beareth not the sword in vain, and I pray that our government does not bear its authority in vain. And I pray that this court will not misuse the power of the authority that they have. For he, this court, is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. You've done wrong, and the crime should be paid. And therefore I'm asking this court to do all that it can to see that you pay the maximum that the law will allow. It says, wherefore ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. That's is what helps people like me to be able to accept things that happen that we don't like. Believing that we can commit things to the Lord because we believe in a court of divine justice. And also believing that this court will act judiciously and render whatever judgment, punishment that can be levied. And so, Judge, Your Honor, I pray all that you can and that you'll need the wisdom of Solomon to do what is right. David was my son, and I loved my son. And I don't believe that a man should be able to take the life of another individual without paying the fare, without paying for what he's done. And so I'm asking this court to do what it
2: can. God bless you. You can see that it was a very difficult moment. I'm trying to say all the right things, but even though it's been 20 years, Eight years or whatever it was. You never get over it. You can only have to just get on with it. You're going to lose loved ones. And people are going to do you wrong. Not everything in this life is going to be just. Nothing's always made right. And it's not always fair. Otherwise, there would be no reason for God, who is the righteous judge, to make any decisions or anything. But he will. Take a look at your notes there just for a brief minute. Remember, the very first man and woman in the Bible lost a son. He was murdered by Cain, Abel was. And then Cain was sent off from among them, so they actually lost two. But God gave him another son. And so You find out that God is a merciful God God gave me another son but you'll notice in your notes there talk about Genesis 5 how Enoch the Bible says he walked with God but the Bible says he was 65 years old when Methuselah was born and he walked with God that evidently he didn't walk with God Until his son was born. And then Methuselah lived to be the oldest man in the Bible, 969 years. But the dad, Enoch, the Bible says he was and he was not, for God took him. That before he was translated, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Here in these notes, I just want you to look down there where I have the word Acts thirteen thirty eight, and you'll find out that one of the biggest things is not only the things that you and I do to each other, is that all of our sin we sin against God, because when we sin against another person, we sin against God too, because God sees and knows every sin that every man commits. And that one day, everybody will have to stand before the court of divine justice. And that's why it's wise to accept the free gift, a pardon, before we ever get there. Where God can forgive you. In other words, like wipe the slate clean as though it never happened. That's what he says in Acts 13, 38. When he says, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, by the mercies of God, as he says here, Men and brethren, that through this man, Jesus Christ, is preached unto you, and those words, forgiveness of sins, where God forgives us. Since God forgives us, it's like he's not going to hold it against us. Now, there's natural consequences in life. For example, I can, you know, cut off my arm and, Lord, that that was a dumb thing I did. Would you forgive me for that? God said, sure. But he don't put the yarn back. And you may drink a lot of alcohol and ruin your kidneys or your liver. And you can confess that to God. But, and God can forgive you, of course. But it doesn't restore the liver. It doesn't restore anything. And a man can uh, kill somebody and say, God, forgive me. But that doesn't bring that person back to life. There's still consequences. But understand this. Look at the next verse. In Acts twenty-six eighteen it says, As Paul stood before Felix." He says, this is what God did to me on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. He says, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. You see, this forgiveness of sins must have been a pretty big deal, because the scripture up there that we didn't look at in Luke chapter 24 In verses 46-47, the Bible says as he sent his disciples out, he says that you will preach the forgiveness of sins. You see, having eternal life and going to heaven when you die is only because God has forgiven you for every sin you did against him. But you have to accept that payment he made, accepting his forgiveness. It's a great Price to pay, not to accept God's forgiveness. Great price to pay. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, right there in your notes, in whom we have redemption through his blood. We talk about being redeemed, being saved, becoming a child of God, going to heaven when we die. All of that is simply wrapped up in these words, the forgiveness of God. You and I, we've sinned against a holy God. And we don't see it as bad as it really is. But it is bad. One sin can keep you out of heaven. One sin can put your little carcass in hell for eternity. One. And God says, all have sinned. Every man is guilty. And God says, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into this world to die on the cross to pay for your sins. And He couldn't forgive you until it was paid. He paid that debt for us so that He could wipe your slate clean. In Colossians 1.14, He says, In whom? In Christ. We have redemption through His blood. That means because of this payment Christ made by His death on the cross in our place, we are forgiven you see, if I died right now, I can go right into, immediately into the presence of God. I don't have to be afraid. I can be bold. Why? Because I'm going on what He did for me. I don't deserve that. That's the grace of God. Look at the next statement. You see, it's very hard for you to be a forgiving person if you do not accept forgiveness. Forgiveness. Because the key for us forgiving one another who hurt and wrong us and offend us is that we realize, look what I did against God. And God forgave me. But if you don't accept that forgiveness, you don't know how to forgive. You'll try to bury it in your mind and pretend it's not there and it wasn't wrong and overlook it any way you want to. But there's a peace that you will not have. There is a guilt that you will live with. So in 2 Corinthians 2.10, he says this. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it, get this, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. When you learn to forgive somebody else because Christ has forgiven you, then you're learning how to forgive in His place. You're doing it for Him. Why? Because He forgave me, I can forgive others. But if you live your life where you will not accept forgiveness, or somebody comes to you and they confess that I hurt you and I wronged you and it was not right on my half, and you cannot forgive that person, woe unto you. You are a shameful individual that you cannot forgive somebody who asks for forgiveness because it's one of the greatest release of freedom that there is and to be able to have the guilt removed what I said in that video about my son and about Norris Jones I got no ill feelings toward that guy one iota none whatsoever and I, had to, I don't even know what ever happened to him never did find out I'm not even sure I don't even care it doesn't matter Because it's not going to take away my peace or my joy at all. I'm not going to bring my son back because I know where my son is and I wouldn't bring him back. If I had the power to do so. And he would be about 56 or 57 years old today. The next statement. 2 Corinthians chapter chapter 12. For what is therein, what is it therein, wherein you were inferior to others, churches, except it be that I myself was not burdensome to you. Paul is asking this carnal-minded church that's got 14 major problems, if I wronged you, would you forgive me? Look who Paul is. And he's the one that's taken the initiative to go to this carnal church and say, if I wronged you, would you forgive me? He says, because I made you sorry. But I didn't make you sorry because I just wanted to make you sorry. He said, I wanted you to correct the problem, which they did. And the next one, Ephesians 4.30. Now get this, because it's a very important verse. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now how can I grieve the Holy Spirit of God? You see, the Holy Spirit of God dwells in us. When you trust in Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells you. Now look at the very next verse. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger. You see, those are the things that come from the flesh nature. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And, verse 32, and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted. Look at the next three words. It is a command. And what grieves God, the Holy Spirit, is when God's children have an unforgiving spirit, when you will not admit, maybe you've wronged somebody or somebody has wronged you, and you will not forgive, and you will not accept forgiveness. It's like trying to be a martyr. I want to be hurt, so I got justification for hating you, being mean to you, and unkind to you. Find that in the book where it's justified. And so he says, And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another. Now get this, you ought to underline this in your notes. Then when you get home, you get your Bible, and here's the reasons why you should. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath what? Hath what? Forgiven Forgiven you. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, has God forgiven you of all your sins? Then what's the problem with forgiving somebody? Or do you just want to carry a grudge? You just want to be bitter at somebody. Because when you get bitter at somebody, you've got to tell somebody. And you'll make them just like you. You'll make them... Mean and ugly and hateful. And you don't have that forgiving spirit. And you'll cause them not to have a forgiving spirit. And you can ruin each other's lives. Down at the bottom. Do you manifest an unforgiving spirit? Because they will create a vengeful desire. Someone hurts you. If you can't forgive them, you want to get even. You know I'm telling you the truth. I taught this. On a video almost 30 years ago. It has helped me to, not just in that situation with my son, but there's been a, a hundred times that's happened in other areas where I've had people that I've led to the Lord and give them part of my life, and I'll have them turn on me. I'll challenge them to serve the Lord and they'll pat me on the back trying to find a place to put the knife. I'll be kind and sweet and as much as I possibly can. And I'll have people that will backtalk me and say bad, evil things against me. And I don't have to fight back because it's not worth it. Because you see, I've committed my life to Christ. This time that I got to live, I've given it to Him. And so when I just feel like they're doing that to Him, not me. If He wants to get mad, let God get mad. If God wants to get angry, God, can, you can go ahead and get angry. If you want to take revenge, go ahead. I'm not. Because I'm living my life in your place. You see, if, if Yankee was to die right now, I hope it don't, and my body is laying right there, you know, you could come up here and you could spit on me. And it ain't going to bother me. You could walk up here and kick me a good one. And it won't bother me. Why? Because I'm dead. I'm dead. Have you died in Christ? You'd be surprised at the difference of how you can live your life. I told somebody this just the other day. I don't worry about my critics. I'm just going to outlive them. The last line that we have here, do you have a hateful and bitter spirit? Learn to forgive people. Why? Because they're sinners, just like you. You're not that high and mighty that you don't wrong somebody. Because, you see... If somebody knows how you react when somebody wrongs you, they know what you're going to do to them when they wrong you. It's just like a person that gossips. If they will gossip to you, they will gossip about you. And they know that if you tear other people down in their eyes, you'll tear them down in somebody else's eyes. You reap what you sow. This has not been the typical Father's Day sermon. But it is about a father who had a son. And it is about a God who gave a son. And it is some lessons that we can learn in our life about how to learn to forgive those who hurt us. I know family members that sometimes they don't speak to each other for years and years and years. Or relatives, or husband and wife, they live in the same house, but they don't communicate because they carry a grudge, a bitterness. You hurt me, I'm gonna hurt you back. There's two kinds of wars in the home. That's the hot war, you know, where you throw things. Somebody says you believe in flying saucers? See them every day. (laughs) And then you got the cold wars, that's where you just don't talk to each other. And they're both damaging, both very hurtful. If you know somebody you're not right with, talk to them. Say, look, I've been carrying a grudge against you and I've been bitter towards you. And I wanna apologize, I am so sorry. Don't ask them to do anything. Don't make justifications for your wrongdoing. You just take care of you. And you'd be surprised how God will lift a burden off of your shoulders. How much more you can enjoy life. But if you don't, that little guilt, it'll weigh like a ton of iron on your shoulders until it destroys you. Look up here. This is you and me. We all represent sin. We all have sin on us. Everybody sins. And we also sin against each other. We don't treat everybody perfectly. And everybody's not going to treat you perfectly. But can you learn to give people a little space? Let them say and do things without you always, I gotta correct them, I gotta correct them, I gotta correct them. them." You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Lighten up. We're dealing with sinners. People. Who don't have total 100% control of everything they think, say, and do. And realize sometimes people say things they don't mean. Have you ever done it? Well, other people do it too. And the heat of the moment might say or do something you wish you'd never said or done. God loves you. Hates your sin, but He loves you. And to pay for sin is eternal separation from God. And that's a decree of the Supreme court of divine justice. But God loves us, wants us to go to heaven. To go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God, and none is a perfect. So the Bible says you cannot save yourself. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. Came into this world because he loves us, hates our sin because our sin separates us from the Lord. So the thing that Christ did was he died on the cross and paid for all the sins of the world. When you believe he did it for you, you're set free. As though you never did it. Forgiven of all your sins. And God says you get to go to heaven. What I did for you. Now because he has forgiven us. Of all of our bad things that we've done against a holy God. Can't we find it in our hearts to learn to forgive one another. When somebody wrongs us. You say well I'll forgive them if they asked. Have a forgiving spirit whether they do or they don't. You see, me asking God to forgive me doesn't make God, oh, God finally feels better. He's got that burden off of his shoulders. When you confess and ask somebody to forgive you, you'd be surprised what it does to you. It may do nothing for them, but you'd be surprised what it'll do for you.
0: take my place.
1: Were you ever told that you must confess Christ before men to be saved? Were you warned that if you refused to confess Christ, he would not confess you before the Father? Just what does that mean? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 Westwaters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. And request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com.